Hi, everybody. What is up, everyone? Hello. It's time for Legends of the Internet time on this uh, January 19th, 2019. Um, we have a little international flavor on this episode tonight. So it is time for us to introduce... All the way from the Philippines, we got Jing, who's been uh, very helpful in uh, writing the show and getting stuff uh, ready to go for like when we do these episodes. So, hi, Jing. Hello. Good morning from the Philippines. I know it's uh, still evening here. I'd like to apologize for the background noise. Just in case you hear the dogs uh, barking, please ignore. No, <laughs> well, it's okay. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we're like 13 hours apart, so it's already Sunday morning over there. Yes. And uh, returning after the Filthy Frank episode, it is uh, Cinema Nippon himself, who, by the way, has been doing very, very good for his channel, haven't you? Oh, thank you. Hello, everyone. And thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, I don't know. This uh, 2018 was, was good for the channel and hoping that 2019 will maybe be even better. Yeah, congratulations on getting 2,000 subs. Uh, thank you. Congrats on 3,000. Congratulations. Soon to be 4,000. Yeah, 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 exactly. And when is uh, Eli Kai Movie Talks going to get to 1,000? Oh god, I don't know. I, we haven't uploaded on that <laughs> channel in oh, a year and a half. I don't know. <laughs> it was that inspired by our subject tonight? Uh, maybe partially. Maybe Pro partially. Probably. Probably. Yes. Except, except you don't do your screenings at midnight. Exactly. So, guys, it is time for us to talk about the cinema snob, Brad Jones. Here's what we got for you guys tonight. So we're going to be going over his channel. Some of the stuff that he reviews. Some of the stuff that I've gathered from watching his reviews. What I think about his yes. reviewing style. Um, or how we think about his viewing style. Um, and we also have a little bit of um, some commentary after the whole Not So Awesome document came out. Brad Jones actually talked about it a little bit. So... We're going to be going over that a little bit as that happens. So, Sounds we, good. So we have a little bit to go over. But in the, in the meantime, guys, uh, thank you all for um, supporting the channel. I know it's been a little tough after we got demonetized, but you know what? Uh, I've, there was actually a, a YouTuber by the uh, tw YouTuber, Twitter handle by the name of YouTube Graveyard that's actually been of support of people that got the reusable content demonetization. So um, I don't know what they're planning on doing, but I think they're just going to gather like a whole bunch of it. But I did notice there have been a lot of uh, sympathizers that have been subscribing to the channel because of it. So um, not that I've asked for it, but it was just awesome. So thank you, YouTube Graveyard, for doing that. Uh, so let's anyway, let's get right into... The cinema snob, Brad Jones. Uh, part of Channel Awesome still is actually, uh, believe it or not. Out of like after the document went out, there was only like a few people that stayed, and Brad was one of them. Uh, but we'll we'll talk more about the controversy near the end of the show. But um, I never, I mean, I I told I told uh, Nippon about this um, when we were talking off off uh, when we were not live. I was saying, like, I never watched any of his content before we did uh, Legends before. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, what the heck? So I was like, I'm so, I, I had no idea. I knew, I knew he was around. I just didn't know who he was. 
Yeah, yeah. I the first couple of years that I was watching uh, channel not channel awesome. Uh, I I was kind of the same way because he seemed too like niche. But as soon as I started watching, I I, I don't know. I kind of I couldn't stop. You know. Oh, I know. I I wanted to watch more, but you know, time and the amount of that days that we have like to prepare for these episodes, it was just not enough. So I just went over like his more popular ones. But I was able to narrow it down to like a few things, like a few themes that he does with them. Uh, we'll start with this one. He he, he does reviews of uh, porn parodies, like spoof, yes. porn spoofs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In case you were a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, well, you won't be after watching that. <laughs> I'll say that right now. <laughs> oh yes. Jesus Christ! Wow. I was like, for uh, <laughs> just the names they came up with for the uh, for these for, for some of these characters that the uh, that they did. Uh, instead of yeah. Shredder, it's Spreader. Instead of Casey Jones, it's Casey Bones. Um, Ow. <laughs> uh, April O'Neil's name is exactly the same. They didn't change hers. Of course, um, yeah. But I think, but I think there's like a literal porn star called April O'Neil. So, um, uh, a, a, appropriate for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and just try and just trying to get through that. And then what was it? There's like one sex scene in it where it's just her and Casey. And at the very end, like, she's like jerking off all the turtles. Oh, and I'm like, I was like, what? what? Like, why? Mm. I would not, I would not, I would not, uh, I would not show this to anybody that's a turtles fan. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have not watched any of his other porn parodies because I don't think there's been enough people that have been watching those as much as it's all the other market. videos. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a niche market, just like this show. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, very, very niche market. But there's only like a so handful of things that you can get from that sh- stuff. Uh, and that's like, if you were to put the, if I think it's like in his top 10 of like the most popular videos and I think it's like either 9 or 10. I don't know for certain. God, it's just yeah. getting through so many of those. Uh, I know he's covered a couple of Neil Breen uh, movies. Which, no. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, he's been re- Neil Breen has been requested for season 6, so I'm Ooh. gonna say I am going to save all of my uh, commentary for uh, Neil Breen if he gets selected uh, for it. Just uh, just letting you know, I have watched a couple of Neil Breen movies in my time, so um, mm-hmm. I will have a few things to say. So if you're interested, please go for it. I'm not trying to hinder that in any way, shape, or form. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say I had the same reaction as Cinema Snob did. Like everything that he didn't like about the Neil Breen movies, I had the exact same reaction. Yes. Uh, why? <laughs> and a lot of it is like like political commentary, which it, it was like it's even political commentary that does not make any sense. First of all, which I think is what makes Brad so unique is like he'll go after movies that are based off of real commentary that people are basing off of what what's really going on in like real life so mm-hmm. that's that's his like his niche that people really love that type of shit mm-hmm. um uh he's covered almost every like slasher franchise halloween uh nightmare before elm street friday the 13th uh it's like i watched a couple of them and he, he's like 
man, I can't believe like the, the, a lot of these movies just don't try to differentiate from the original, or they try to differentiate from the original too much, and then they keep going back to it, and then they wonder why it doesn't mm-hmm. do so good. Mm-hmm. So I understand because he's like a horror guy, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But he's he's very uh, he's very good with those. And then we're gonna get I'm gonna get into the religious movies in a second. But before we get to those, because that's like his main ones. Uh, but uh, I want to actually get uh, some things from you and Jing. So uh, Nippon, like, where did yeah. you like? How did you discover him? Uh, I honestly. Um... I do not remember what the first of his videos was that I watched, but it's like I was telling you uh, before we went on air, uh, maybe three, two, two or three years ago, was uh, I was working really heavily on some stuff where I just like needed background noise basically, and so I just kind of started from the beginning, and in about two months I watched maybe six or seven years worth of his videos. <laughs> I, I haven't kept up recently, but all like basically everything that you're talking about right now, all of his really long series about uh, older slashers and all of the porn parodies, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. Once I once I started, it's like I said, I just couldn't stop watching it. You know. Oh, uh, he's in a very addicting personality. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he's got a very unique look too. I mean, he used to have hair, but then in 2015 he shaved it off. And after that, I think it was I, I think that's when people were like, "Okay, this is no longer Brad Jones. This is cinema snob now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming forward. Uh Jing, how did you find out about uh, the snob? Well, of course, about Channel Awesome. Well, at first it's at Channel Awesome because some people were saying about which personalities from Channel Awesome did not comment on the Not So Awesome document and um, who exactly did not comment at all? Like, later, um, on the notes that I have here, um, there was uh, a part here that where he's uh, given an opportunity to comment on what happened on the Not So, cha- on the not so Awesome document, but he still did not say anything it's it's basically a non-comment comment that he gave and then of course i checked the other um i checked his youtube channel he has his own youtube channel now uh named stone gremlin productions and then although some it became a repository of uh, some of the old uh, episodes that he had way back 2014 and then some of the newer episodes reviewing the newer movies sometimes he reviews the movies as cinema snob sometimes as brad jones and then he would have a guest that he would that would accompany him on the midnight screenings and um honestly i did not see the porn parodies uh, reviews that he made <laughs> since uh well I focus more on what is on YouTube since that is easily accessible. And sometimes, uh, I ha- it's like I'm having a race against time on what stays up and what gets uh, copyright oh, yeah. uh, taken yeah. down by copyright. I-, I managed to preserve one that often gets taken down. Uh, I transcribed some of the uh, things that he said in that review i would reveal later what that movie is but mm-hmm. it's 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 the it's my favorite 
and sometimes you need to watch the videos of cinema snob consecutively because there are some references that oh, you yes. will not get because unless you watch it regularly you will not get the other references either that or some other uh, nerdier references in cinema that you will not get unless you're not familiar with hollywood pop culture oh, or, yeah. or or politics in america yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does a lot of po- he does like some political jokes I've noticed. Like when he does like these uh when he does these movie reviews, I've like, "Oh, okay, so I know where he's getting this from." And I got to remember like exactly what year he like put it, put them in cuz I'm like, "One's at 2015, and the next video I watch it's 2018, and then I'm going back to 2016." So I'm now watching them yes. in like consecutive order with it. Yeah. Right, right. Ah, so all right. Oh, I forgot. We did forget the midnight screening. So it's basically it's like Brad sitting in a car at midnight with like one of his buddies. It could be Rob. It could be Obscura Lupa, who no longer does videos with him anymore. Um, after this whole controversy happened, I think they lost contact or she left. Um, Wait, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Lupa was in a couple of his uh, midnight screening episodes. No, I I knew that they were, like, uh, good friends, or at least, you know, decent friends, but I didn't know that they weren't, uh, like, doing stuff together yeah. anymore. Yeah, they, yeah, like, Lupa just uh, unfollowed Brad, but Brad still follows her. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. So I wonder if there's anything about that that we don't know. But then again, the only people that know are Lupa and Brad, and none of them are willing to talk about it. Yeah. So when it comes to his main his main thing, and this is where people seem to gravitate towards Brad, when he does religious movies. Now, oh, yeah. the religious movies are a niche in and of itself. There are, I don't know that many people that review religious movies, but Brad's one of them. Yes, yeah. Brad's one of them. There's another one that I have seen before, but they, they're just not as... I don't know. They just did not have the same amount of passion for reviewing it as Brad did. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'll talk about Passion of the Christ first because that one is his most popular video on his YouTube channel. And that one he happened yeah. to be doing with Doug. And mm-hmm. I'll say this. When Brad is with Doug, the commentary is not that great. When Brad is by himself, he's awesome. Yes. Which just yes. goes to show, I think he's trying to cater to Doug's style of commentary when he's with Doug. And I think it's because it's his boss. He kind of has to need to do that. So it's like they're co-writing together. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they were doing the passion of the Christ review of it, there was some, there was a little bit of riffs in there that I was like, okay, why did, why do people think that was the first episode I watched. So my first impression was, Oh my God! So don't. This is this. So he's got the same style of comedy as Doug does. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep going because, regardless of it. But I will mm-hmm. say, the one thing that I did enjoy was the skit they did where they had Brad dress up like Mario, Doug was Luigi, and they were gonna attack <laughs> Santa Christ. <laughs> yeah, because they were parodying some stuff in the movie, like. Yes. Um, the sorrowful mysteries. They were parodying those. Those are. Uh, prominently featured in that movie and then yeah it's it's a it's like an excuse to have a skit because this is one review that they did it's as if they made the review after the controversy of the movie has died down but apparently the controversy is not yet that dead because this is 
uh, Cinema Snob's most viewed review on the on his YouTube channel. So they they scourged him. Although of course it was not as bloody as the one in the movie. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it was the movie that uh, Cinema Snob described as. Uh, more graphic than Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, until now, I'm yes. yeah, until now yes. I'm scared to that movie. But then again, knowing Brad Jones, has his uh, well, he obviously likes uh, horror movies and uh, yes. some, some sick humor. So mm-hmm. at least they went safe with the humor in that oh. review. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, but I mean, those... even oh, oh, go ahead. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, I I was just going to say, I distinctly remember from the uh, Cannibal Holocaust review, he even, I mean, he says that the the things that were done for the production of that movie completely nullify anything good that could have come out of that movie, like commentary-wise. So for him to say that it's even worse than that is uh, pretty bad. Oh, well, I, look, I saw Passion of the Christ when it first came out, um, and this was like back in this was like back in 2004. Uh, I was a part of I, I used to be a part of a Catholic church, at, uh, right I, where I used to live, and they were very very adamant that we go see Passion of the Christ because it was like the I think it was the Catholic telling of the entire uh, thing according to my church it was like it was the Catholic retelling, not the Protestant retelling, and. It was like they're um, they're, they're, they're they're the evil church. Well, they We're focused the good church. on the Book of John. That's why. Yes, and oh, and, and according to Brad and Doug, it's like it's basically just Jesus getting attacked in slow motion, and they try to pad that out for two hours. Yeah. Um. I you know you know considering that they they look at it differently. I I remember watching a lot of um people in the theater, and even when I rewatched it again with my church group back then. We were all like, "Oh my God, this is probably like the most realistic, like, G- like sacrificing of Jesus that I that I think I've seen." Because a lot of these, like a lot of these, um, these kid-friendly cartoon religious things, they always try to uh, make it simple. They take out all the violence, and they don't show like mm-hmm. what really, truly would have taken place if if any of it was true. So right, I mean. Right. And of course, it led to some anti-Semitism remarks, and then and then everybody was like saying that Bill Gibson is crazy for even making this. But guess what? There's a sequel coming out this year. That's right. He's been he's been Pat- teasing that sequel for more than a year now. Yes. Ever since he mentioned on his interview, I'm still waiting for it. Passion of the Christ is supposed to be coming out this holiday season, right around Christmas time. Which is the birth of Jesus? He will be so. This movie will be taking place after he already risen from the dead. So uh, I uh, had no idea about that. Uh huh. Oh yes. After 15 years, huh. it took 15 years for Jesus in this in this biblical cinematic universe for him to rise from the dead. Um, biblical according, cinematic yeah, universe. Yeah, <laughs> biblical cinematic universe, which they which I would I which I would not be against. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that too. Yeah, but of course, I'm, I I think I think there's, well, as as we'll see when we talk more about these religious movies. But anyway, Brad and uh, Doug, um, when they did that, that was practically it. And I, and you know that Brad's going to be doing the sequel when that comes out. Like it's yes. definitely going to be like a midnight screen, a midnight screening for sure. 
Um, yeah. But one thing I did like was his Mario impression. It did not sound like Mario. It did not sound like Luigi. They just sounded like two Italian mafia gangsters. And, yes. Oh, uh, they they did so good at that. And of course, Santa Christ. Yeah. Somebody was somebody was asking about Santa Christ. Mwe one zero one three was asking like Santa Christ. What the hell? Well, Santa Christ yeah. is sort of the <laughs> religious figure that um, they added into their, um, their you know, skits. yeah, their skits because they're trying not to piss off any religious groups. Although too late. I mean, I think he already has. Yeah. But um, they did a movie called Jesus Bro which is basically a parody of all these religious movies that have come out. And uh, Brad, I think, executive produced it and wrote it, but he plays like a supporting role. And like Doug's also in the movie as well. And it's just like this guy, he's an atheist, and then he has like a out-of-worldly experience. And he, like, he comes back. Santa Christ, he dreams about Santa Christ. And he's like, mm -hmm. you must go down and you must go proclaim that I am real and you have to go and do something to show that Jesus Santa Christ is real. So he's basically preaching Santa Christ. He's going to all his friends saying, Santa Christ is real, guys. Santa Christ is real. And Brad's like, no, he's not. And that's like Brad's character in the movie. I try, uh... to, I try to find a free version and I have not seen anything from that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm like, okay. I know he shot some behind the scenes, and I know the Dove Foundation, which supports a lot of these religious movies that give them all these great reviews. He, they, they actually um, reacted to the Jesus Bro movie, and as far as I know, they hated the movie because it's making fun of like their religion and everything. Huh. Mm. So. Oh well. Oh well. I mean, I'm what sure they. Got, I, I'm sure they got a great laugh out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do admit to attempting piracy. What are you going to do about it, Green Chill? You're going to get in trouble. Nothing. I'm going to call the Popo. It's, it's attempted piracy. There's no such that. There's not a crime for that. And you, I, I, you can't even you can't even find my my words or anything like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, they got a zero out of five. Uh, from the Dove Foundation. I forgot to mention that. Thank you, April. Um, so, okay. So, here's some of the other religious movies that he's covered. God's Not Dead. Yep. Have you seen this? The nope. review or the actual movie? The actual movie and the review. I have not seen either of the movies, but I've seen both of the reviews. Okay. I've watched both of them. Um, okay. Let me say this. Um... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick on anybody's like religious taste here, but I will say he. I, I will say that if you were a part of this, if you were a part of this group, you would be embarrassed that these people put out a movie like this. It's 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 not a great representation of of what the religion is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, so here's the. So in case people don't know what the movie's all about. This, this kid who's a Christian goes to college. He goes to a college. He's going to take a, phil a philosophy class that's headed by a professor that's an atheist. Um, so the philosophy teacher... And, and the, that atheist is a parody of Richard Dawkins. Apparently so. Really? Apparently. I did. I did uh, well, if it was, I didn't see because it's not a very good parody of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's more it's like... Not, a it's not so obvious. Yeah, it's no. not so obvious. No. Even though they vote, even though, like, uh, I'll, I'll get to the, the plot in a second, but so he's like, 
so the philosophy teacher's like, all right, kids, I want you to all write down on a paper that God is dead. And, of course, Josh Whedon is the character's name. And I'm like, wait a minute, the, the guy that directed Avengers and Justice League? <laughs> that's Josh Whedon? And that one Shakespeare play, Much Ado About Nothing? Uh, no, not that Josh Whedon. But there's another Josh Whedon. Uh, so Josh Whedon's like, nope, I am not going to be uh, saying God's dead. God's not dead. He's like, okay, then I challenge you to a debate. My students, we are going to have a debate, and we are going to prove whether God's dead or not dead, and the class will be the jury. Mm -hmm. Um, so Josh Whedon's girlfriend breaks up with him over this because she's like, why don't you just drop the class? He's like, no, you don't understand, babe. I got to prove that God's not dead. Like, he's alive. <laughs> yes. And she's like, well, I'm leaving you. Bye. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, also, there's a... a there's a, oh, I'm blanking out on the word. There's a uh, cameo by one of the Duck Dynasty guys, uh, who actually helped produce yeah. this movie. You got to remember, some of the Duck Dynasty guys produced this movie, uh, so they had a little cameo in there. Uh, so they have a reporter, a liberal reporter, who ends up getting cancer, and after she announces it to her boyfriend, she's like, "Well, I'm breaking up with you." It's like, what? Well, yeah, you know, because that's reasonable. Yeah. It's like, uh, honey, I have cancer. Well, okay, then I'm going to leave you then. Oh, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. There's also these two guys. Uh, there's these two pastors. And they're like the, they're sort of the, um, the comic relief of this, uh, this, this, three, these two movies. Um, they both, they appear in both movies and they're like, well, we're gonna go to we're gonna go on this trip, and our car breaks down, and you know the 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 guy that's like the rental car guy comes, and there's like all this like these weird jokes, and it has nothing to do with the. the I don't even know why this was mm -hmm. even in the movie in the first place. It's like, well, here's like two random characters, and we're just gonna put them in the movie because we need to fill time somehow. Um, but we're just gonna put them in there because we need to. Mm -hmm. Um. There's also a um, a Muslim family, and one and the daughter is secretly a Christian, and she doesn't. And she like when she's at school, she doesn't put on her. Uh, she doesn't go all Muslim uh, with her she religion. She doesn't wear her veil. Yes, but yes. then when, and then when she's with her dad, she's like, "I'm sorry, I have to do this." Mm -hmm. And then and then her little brother finds out, and then her her father finds out. He slaps her across the face, and it's never really. Um, it's never really mentioned afterwards, like, you know, what happened. I mean, I know she goes to the concert at the end, but it's like there's more. Like, that's it. That's the whole resolution. And it has nothing to do with the main plot anyway. So it's just put in there just to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the actual debate. I, okay. I know you've seen snippets of this debate here and there. Um, I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that somebody on a professor like that is not able to see through some logical fallacies that this kid tries to put out there. The kid basically is like, well, if one if Steve, if Stephen Hawking said this, then obviously it must be true. Like he said something, a quote about like, oh, I forgot the actual quote that he was saying. I'm trying to get this movie out of my head. Mm -hmm. um, but the main per but the main impetus is. Okay, they're going back and forth, like quoting. Uh, they're you know using arguments for a th 
from authority, which, I mean, they're, they're both very illogical when they both do that. But he's like, well, this quote's better than your quote, so therefore I win this, I win this round. <laughs> are like oh no no mm-hmm. no, no you mm-hmm. can't it's, it's that's, like saying this law is better than that law yeah it's like or this or stephen hawking is much more uh is much more reparable to use than uh, richard dawkins for example right, right. so right. or like, hitch is uh, better than dawkins yes or <laughs> such Matt, arguments you know yes or matt mm-hmm. dillahunty mm-hmm. is better than ben shapiro <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Or Steven Crowder is better than Mio Yanopoulos, which I think I think at this point he is. But um, maybe. So, but I mean, he's still going around. Mio hasn't for a long time. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so it, the 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 teacher's like, oh my god, he actually got me on that one. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you could have counterpointed, man, and you didn't. And then they get to like the final end of the debate. It's like, why do you? Why are you an atheist? Because God took away my family. Oh and, yes, 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 yes. Implying oh, that every atheist that. has it, like some reason, uh, th- some deep seated like hatred of God, basically. Yeah. Yes. Like yes, because that's what every that, that's what every hardcore religious person thinks that atheists are just a bunch of god haters going around. It's like no, the the term atheist means belief without a god. Mm-hmm. That's what atheist means. I mean, theist. I mean, belief in a god. You put an a in front of it. That's basically a belief without a god. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. They don't even believe he exists. So mm-hmm. the fact that this guy, the professor, no, he's not an atheist. He's a Christian, but he's mad at God. And of course, the professor, after losing this debate, because all the class says, like, yes, God's not dead. Um, he's like, okay, I'm going to have my, uh, my moment to think. Like, maybe, maybe I've been thinking too badly about this. Maybe I should uh, repent for what I did. And then, mm-hmm. of course, a car comes and hits him, and then he ends up dying. You know. So, oh, do. great. Great. So your your message is okay, uh, and and a supposed atheist is gonna redeem himself and come to the good side, but no, that's not good enough. He needs to die, mm-hmm. because of because of that. Like that's like a, a sin that cannot be forgiven. Like what, what kind of? Have I seen the? Re- have I seen the what? No, I'm just ask, about to ask if you have seen the review for War Room by Sidim Snob. Oh, I'll get to War Room. I will get to War Room. I will get to that because yeah, that was another one that I saw. Because Brad and I pretty much have like the same exact opinions. Like I, I was like, I was like, wow, the the amount of like uh, the amount of like stuff like we thought along the same lines of what we thought about this movie and yeah, the fact that there's like barely any conflict. The characters are extremely one dimensional. They're just the writing is like all over the place. There's like plot subplots that have no point. They have no connection to the main plot whatsoever, and it's it's impossible to even enjoy it. Even if you were religious, you would mm-hmm. look at this and be like, "Uh, no, that's not how I. That's not how what my. That's not how I view uh, Christianity at all. You people mm-hmm. are like extremists, like that. And we haven't even gotten into the sequel yet. The sequel's I, even... Yeah, I don't even remember what the sequel's about, honestly. Oh, the sequel. The sequel is... I think the sequel's a lot worse. Because this this the whole thing could have been resolved, but everyone in the movie was an idiot. 
in this. And plus, it has to do with a courtroom. So, Jing, this would be like right up your alley with this too, because you know you're trying to yeah, be I... you're trying to be Phoenix Wright. <laughs> yeah. Although yes. I have not seen, I don't ex actually. God's Not Dead is not shown here in the Philippines. I am not surprised. This is a Catholic yeah. country. I'm still Catholic, actually. But I don't mind seeing some of those movies. Like, okay, let's see. Mm -hmm. Scrutinize yeah. here, there, then. Yeah, end of the movie. Move on with my life. Yeah, yeah well, it, the, these movies are very... The, all these religious movies that Brad has reviewed are very Protestant. Very anti... And very up your uh, nose. Yes, a very anti-Catholic, very anti-well, very anti-Muslim too. I mean, the Muslims they treat in this movie—they're they're, like it's so racist to to like all it's the. Like, all, yeah, it's all. like the Catholics are the whipping boys of everyone else. Yes, it's it's, it's like oh, how, it's like because everybody hates the Vatican unless you're Catholic. Mm -hmm. Everybody hates the Vatican, so it's it's like and so anyway, we'll get to the sequel. So. I, I know some people are like, there's a sequel to this? Yes, there was. In fact, there's going to be a third mm -hmm, movie, yes. too. There's a third oh. movie also. Uh, he's not re Brad has not reviewed that yet, and I have not seen the third one he, yet, he's but teasing, I will. He, well, well, Brad is teasing a review of God's Not Dead 3 because yeah. so on his community tab, he posted an, an image of the thumbnail, and uh, everyone is just waiting for the review now. Yeah. And I'm going to be waiting for it, too, because I cannot wait to see that. Yeah. But God's Not Dead 2 is a courtroom religious drama. Uh, so Melissa Joan Hart stars in this movie. Um, so for any of you Clarissa Explains It All fans or Sabrina the Teenage Witch fans, I was surprised because, you know, she was in a TV show about witchcraft, and here she is now in a religious movie. So I'm like, how did that happen? So that's what I was wondering. Um, so anyway, she's a teacher, and mm -hmm. one of her students is also very religious, and she's teaching like a, a history class or something along those lines. And the, the, this, this female student asks something about Jesus in a, in a historical aspect, and of course, Melissa Jones' hard character talks about it in a very historical context. Not no religious things in there. There's not a hint of religion in it whatsoever. I mean, there are college classes that have talked about the Bible in a historical aspect. No religion in it yes. whatsoever. Um, my yes, college that I went to. Yeah. Yes, oh, his historical ahead. name is actually Yeshua bin Yosef, which translates to Jesus, son of Joseph. And yeah, it was given once as an assignment to us just for the sake of comparing notes between the Bible and what history has compiled so far. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's safe. Yeah, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I have a, I, in my old college, I, there was a class there. It would say the Bible as history. So they didn't even look at it religiously. They were like, okay, we're going to go over the Bible, but we're going to go over its historical context, what it meant to everybody in Jerusalem, what it meant to people in, uh, in the Middle East, what it meant to people in America. So we're going to be looking at it from all aspects, but we're not going to be preaching it at all. Um, I mean, there's religious studies all the time. So this movie, after, somebody, after they've been talking about Jesus, a student is like tweeting out, oh my God, they're teaching religion in our classroom. Oh my God. They can't be teaching about this in our class. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we're going to have to suspend the student and the teacher for doing something that is legal. You're allowed to teach it if you're doing it that way. But 
of course, I don't think the movie makers understand that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, I don't think, like, the, uh, even the lawyer didn't know about this. Melissa Joan Hart's lawyer that he got for him. Like, way towards the end of the movie, during the climax, he's like, wait a minute. You talked about this in a historical context, right? Yeah. That's our trump card. I'm like, no, this could have been the thing that you could have said in the beginning and then you wouldn't even have the case in the first place. But, True. of course, you can't have a movie be that short. So, obviously, we got to pad this out. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So well, if the- they solve that at the early part of the movie, we don't have conflict to solve in the movie. Yeah, but it, but it but if you put the conflict in there, it just makes everybody seem so stupid. If you think about it, because the 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 prosecutor that they got for this is like they they pull him off. He's like he's the devil, like he's the evil atheist lawyer that's mm-hmm. gonna come tackle down the lawyer and Melissa Joan Hart and <laughs> they're gonna do that. Um, and they just paint him like that, even though he was making some pretty like honest good points and mm-hmm. with, with some of his questions. And he just and he just like chewed up this lawyer because he's like what the what kind of questions are you asking what kind of defense are you pulling here it, it was like if miles edgeworth looked at phoenix right and said right to right you shouldn't even be in this courtroom with me mm-hmm. oh man mm-hmm. and it, and there's one point where the defense lawyer's like i i thought i told i thought you said you told me everything it's like yeah but i didn't want to tell you that part because i thought it would hinder the case i'm like oh no Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, and the judge is played by Ernie Hudson, who is Winston in the Ghostbusters. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. And while this whole trial is going on, you have a bunch of atheists out with picket signs and protesting, like, these Christians, like, get God off of our our lawn and all that stuff. And they're painting themselves as, like, this persecuted group of people that's not willing Mm -hmm. to get their ideals out there. Wait, if you look at it in America, it's the complete opposite. They're like such hypocrites over here. It's amazing. Um, if you really think about it, uh, I could talk about some of the stuff that they've done on YouTube back like 11 years ago, um, which Brad never talked about. Brad Jones has never talked about like the hypocrisy of it because that's not what his whole main point is. The point is the movie itself. So, right, right. So, he, he would focus on the movie itself. Yeah. But there are some things that I'm sure he wanted to say because you could just see it in his gall. Like, I can't believe I had to sit through a second God's Not Dead movie. Uh, <laughs> so they they pers- they get the persecution done, and it's like, oh my God, no, we can't we can't celebrate God, and we can't do this, and it's like, and then finally the jury's like, yep, God's not dead. And then the prosecutor's like, well, I can't believe he got bested by a new lawyer. I can't, and one of his assistants like, I can't believe you lost to, I can't believe you lost to Jesus. <laughs> like, what kind of, what kind of zing is that? You lost to Jesus. I don't remember Jesus being in the courtroom, actually uh, defending himself for in that matter. But, oh, man. It, and, of course, they have uh, appearances. Josh Whedon, the main character in the first movie, doesn't come back for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have like the the comedy duo with the two pastors in there, which doesn't lead to. It. Well, actually, there was. Oh wait, one of the one of those pastors, the what was actually a member of the jury, and he's actually telling people what's going on in the case when he's not really supposed to. Mistrial. I'm like, what are you doing? 
you just basically told everybody you were sworn you were sworn not to talk about the case and here you're talking to all of your religious you're talking to your religious group about things that are going on in the case mm-hmm. like no that's one yeah that's one part that i'm not exactly familiar with since we don't have the jury system here it's like you have a judge you have the prosecutor you have defense no jury just an audience so yeah. I, until now, I'm still clueless about that jury system because if you have a judge, what's the jury for? Okay, so okay, so for so so that you understand, Jing, um, here in America, uh, juries are t- to keep uh, to keep uh, prosecutors and judges and defense attorneys from using their influence in the courtroom to gain power. So. Right. You you get you get a group of jurors, whether it's six or twelve, and you get uh-huh. like common citizens that are related to the kid. And what they'll do is they'll get they'll 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 send you a letter in the mail saying, "Okay, you are having to go to jury duty, so you have to go to the courtroom." Right, and you and have as to long, sit long there. as you're an adult, okay. you're you have to yeah. do it at some point. Yeah. Once you turn eighteen, you are uh, you are obligated to go to jury duty, and if you don't, you can actually get arrested for it. Oh yeah. Um, I know in Florida it's like a capital offense, and you can get you can get like two to three years for not doing jury duty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they take it very seriously over here in this in the in the America. So they get like forty or fifty potential jurors. There's like whatever court cases are on the table, and they'll they'll call out a random group of people. They'll sit them down in the jury. Uh, they'll sit them down at the jury's bench, and they'll interview the jurors one by one, the prosecutor and the defense attorney. They'll ask them questions, okay. and then they'll both they'll both come to an agreement of like, okay, um, okay, I like this juror. I think this juror is going to be too biased. I think that jury is not going to understand the case. He's not too smart. She's too smart. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get like the right group of, of people, either six or twelve, depending on the the like, how big this court case is. And once they have their jurors, they're allowed to sit there and they will listen to the case from both sides, mm-hmm. and then. Afterwards, they will go and they will talk about the case. They will figure out whether this defendant is innocent of a crime or he's guilty of a crime. Um, mm-hmm. So that way you have like a, a, a logical group of common citizens agreeing that, yes, this person is innocent. This person's guilty because right. sometimes a judge, sometimes a judge cannot be rational enough. Sometimes he or she could be too biased or emotional. The prosecutor could be putting evidence out there that could be considered um, forged. It could be mm-hmm. considered fake evidence, mm-hmm. or they can lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they or they can, um, and if the defense attorney can't dispute it, then obviously the judge will say, "Okay, he's guilty." The defense has no way to defend themselves. He's going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. yeah. So it makes the court systems very easier for people. For it, it was to help out people that were accused of a crime that they didn't commit. So if somebody mm-hmm. got accused, they would be like, "Okay." I didn't do this, and I need to be with my um, with the people that I grow up around, that um, that are in my town, that are not going to be biased in any way whatsoever. They will hear my case for me. This was to prevent people from being charged with something that they didn't commit. It's innocent until proven guilty. Right is the way that we do yeah, things here okay. in this country. So that's why we have okay. a jury system. And co- correct me if I'm wrong, but it has to be. In any sort of criminal proceedings, it has to be unanimous, the decision yes, to ha- convict. Yes, that's another thing, too. There can't be a majority vote. If there is a majority vote, if there's the, the one person or if there's one or two people that say they're guilty, well, first of all, the jurors can't say 
Uh, actually, no. In some cases, like, there are some juries that will anonymously, like, put down guilty or not guilty. Right. But there are some that will raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, like, a, a jury thing could go on for three days. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can go for months. I remember the O.J. Simpson case. It lasted two hours, and everybody was shocked. Like, what? Two hours? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but if if they can't decide whether somebody is guilty or not guilty unanimously, they have to sit there as a as a group and talk about it. And if mm-hmm. they can't and if they can't reach a decision, then it's a mistrial. And then they have to retry the same case over again, but with different jurors. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's a hung jury where it's like 50-50. And there's no way that they can ever like come to a conclusion at all. Oh yeah. man. But then because of the presence of the jury, it makes it so during the course of the trial, the judge is more like a moderator, like yes. saying like that can't go in the record or like you, you don't have the floor right now. You need to stop speaking and let the other person speak like that kind of thing. Yes. Um, and also when they call objections, like the judge is there to hear both yes. sides of the argument. Like if somebody if the prosecution is judging, like he can obviously say, OK, that's not a good question. Either rephrase it or disregard the question. And if the objection goes a little too far, he's like, OK, approach the bench. And then both of them will go up. The defense and the prosecution will make their case. And the judge will then decide, like, OK, this is what we have to do. Uh, the judge will be like, OK, I agree with this or this. If it gets too big, they have to postpone the trial and then they have to go inside the chambers and talk in judges chambers and talk in there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that go on and cases usually take a very long time, sometimes years, because mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. so much stuff that they have to do. But everything is done with the intention of making sure, like, is this guy or girl really innocent or guilty? So. That's uh, that's everything that has to pertain to that. So just in case, Jing, you wanted to know more about the American court systems, that's just a dummies version of putting it. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> I, thank I you bet- for clarifying that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you will definitely learn a lot more if you if you ever come to America, you're definitely going to learn a lot more about American law than what I just told you. But that's just like the, the stupid version of it. I'm not an expert yes. on it, but that's what I've known from years like of watching court cases okay um but anyway so they reach a not guilty verdict and oh yeah the other thing too is like uh, if a juror actually reveals stuff about the case um they get um they get kicked out not only that they can also be charged with um conspiracy to um conspiracy to commit fraud during a, a court trial Mm-hmm. Um, or, or conspiracy to stop, uh, to to sway, like, the, or to do something with the jury. So, um, you know, there's that too. So that that would be an example of something that would have been considered a mistrial. But no, they decided, like, oh no, this is okay. We're gonna still keep going on about it. Oh man. So that that that's 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 that that's that movie. That's that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what God's the God's Not Dead Three is all about, but I'm actually gonna see what that's like. Maybe I'll talk about that on my. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that in the future if we ever do a Cinema Snob Part Two. Um, yeah. All right. Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody uh, liked this scene? movie. Nobody. Rotten Tomatoes zero <laughs> percent. Not even the extreme Christians like this movie. That's how bad it was. It got the Razzie for worst picture of the year back in uh, 2015, oh, I believe. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
the guy the the director is the guy that used to do uh, direct music videos for Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, which Wait, is really? Like, yes, yes. Kirk he's Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk Cameron, uh, Growing Pains. Everybody knows him from mm -hmm. Growing Pains. Of course. Uh, yeah. He also did a TV movie where he was like he was kidnapping kids and convincing them that it was heaven. Oh, I can't remember what the name of that uh, movie was, but it was a TV movie. I was like, oh, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is too creepy. This is too yeah. creepy. And, of course, it gets an, uh, an Emmy nomination for Best Score. But they treated it like, they treated it like it was such a, a, a tremendous movie. It was, it was ridiculous. But Kirk Cameron, he's trying to, he's trying to convince – he was like, okay, so the, the plot of this, like the supposed plot is – they're just sitting. Kirk Cameron is just sitting with his bu director buddy in the car. His director buddy's like, "I can't believe we're celebrating Christmas with all this stuff. I mean, we're not even. Uh, it's like with all the. This is not religious at all." And then Kirk mm -hmm. Cameron has to try to explain to him, like, how religious Christmas is, mm -hmm. and the reasons he came up with, like, he portrays Santa as like this evil, wicked person. <laughs> That murdered people oh, no. in yes. cold blood. And that's the no. reason why we should celebrate Santa, because he was a cold-blooded serial killer. Like, what? No, Santa's been portrayed here to, and across the world as being this jolly guy that goes to people's houses and gives presents to people. <laughs> He's trying to Christianize further the meaning yes. of Christmas, I suppose. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, God. Yeah, but St. Nick murdered people in cold blood and that's why we celebrate christmas because of that one of those reasons um the we other must one appease the god santa no. we must appease santa christ yes oh, was, oh the god, other that's santa christ figure again uh, <laughs> and he cut and there's like so many other ones that are that he just comes up with that are just so out there and of course, they have like these two characters that they're talking with coffee cups over their mouths, oh like gosh. to like to make people think like they're like like they're making it so obvious, like okay, mm -hmm. we're trying to talk about this in private, but they speak so loudly that people can still hear them regardless. But they're not also, speaking in whispers. Those guys, like all of their dialogue, is done in like slam poetry style. Yeah. It's all like in verse, and it's really strange. Yeah, it's like rap. Like they're rapping yeah, in this movie yeah. too, and this is all it's taking like place. Spoken word. Yeah, and yeah. this is and this is all taking place during a Christmas party, by the way. Mm -hmm. So the conflict is that one guy is like, oh, I don't know why we're celebrating this way, and then Kirk Cameron's like, Yeah, well, here's why we should celebrate it this way, being a religious person, and that's the whole movie. That's the whole conflict, mm -hmm. and all the that's other characters. Yeah, all the other characters are basically just de trying to parody themselves. And of course, it's like, well, we just, and of course, like the last 10 minutes are just them dancing. Mm -hmm. oh. mm. Brad, not only Brad did he do a, that. Yeah, well, Brad, not only did he do a, a review of this, he also did a midnight screening of this, mm -hmm. like multiple times. Like, mm -hmm. he, like he, he made people go see this movie because of how terrible it is. And it absolutely is bad. Like if you want to have like a bad movie night, you put this on your on your list just so you can get an understanding of it. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. And apparently, uh, Kirk Cameron could do the worm. 
Like, that's, like, one of his <laughs> oh, main yes. talents that he did at the very end of the movie. Yes, yes. And, uh, the less I could talk about that, the better. Um, okay, so we'll get into War Room now. Okay, here we go. Alright. War Room. I saw this. This was actually, I think this was the movie that beat straight out of Compton in the box office. Really? Yeah. I'm uh, hold on. I'm double checking just to make sure because I know this came out in August, and I think it was uh -huh. 2015 when this came out. This was during Labor Day, and uh -huh. yes, it did beat fucking straight out of Compton. Wow. And, oh my god. I remember That's look. I remember looking at that, and I, and I said, "This is to myself, so up the nose." Yeah. I was like, "How could? How could? How can? How can a movie about five successful like gangster rap artists lose to?" A, a, a religious movie that that proselytizes that we need to re we need to take the government and just like put an entire we need to we need to we need to take the government and we need to we need to get rid of separation in church and state like that's like the main message of this we need to privatize the government so that it's religious all the way through that's like well, the main impetus of like the the ending of the movie Joe you know what that means though the the box office thing yeah what it just means that uh, NWA got beat by Jesus. Yes. Now they're going to do a song called Fuck Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. I don't know if they were. I don't, well, let's see. Oh, no, Easy e has gone, so they can't do that. I was going to say, I, I don't think all of them would be present no. for that. No, Easy yeah. e like passed away in, like, nine, in the mid-90s, so there's no way that can happen. So, okay, so here's the main impetus for War Room. So there's this couple that's not doing very good. Uh, they have a child. And so the wife is trying to figure out how to solve her marriage issues. So mm -hmm. she goes to this, this elderly woman that uh, lost her uh, husband in the, in the Vietnam War, I believe it was. And she gives her the advice, oh, you want to save your marriage? Here's what you do. You take out your, you go to your closet, you take out all the clothes in your closet. And what you do is you just write to, you just write down, you just put on the wall a bunch of uh, notes on there. Um, mm -hmm. Basically like your own war room of things that are happening in your marriage. Um, you write to God, you write to Jesus, and you practically scream and yell in here. It's like your personal safe space. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Um, the daughter, the daughter is like... What are you doing in here? It's like, well, I'm only, uh, uh, I, I was like, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm just hanging out here. You got a problem with that? It's like, no. So the husband is very successful. He's got a very good, uh, very good job. Uh, but it also turns out he's got a, uh, a mistress, which the wife knows about, but doesn't yes. say anything about it. That's right. That's right. Doesn't say anything about it. Um, not only that. The husband has been stealing uh, property from the company that he works for, like selling off merchandise to other people. <laughs> and, uh, oh my god. Here's the one thing that I found, like, completely, like, upset about this whole thing. So, mm -hmm. he loses his job, the husband. He's uh, planning on going to Atlanta to see this mistress and, you know, do the nasty with her. But because of food poisoning... Because of food poisoning, he decides to call it off. Not the yeah. fact that he's, you know, he's like committing adultery, but 
food poisoning. He doesn't feel guilty about it. It's like, well, I got sick, so I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it was an inter... And I remember, I think in the movie, they were saying, well, the food poisoning was, a, a, was like, religious, uh, religious, um... Intervention. Intervention. Yeah, Divine, yeah. Intervention. Divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, Oh god, I was thinking it's of Pulp like Fiction. If, I, if your husband, yeah, it's like if your husband is a prick, don't do anything about it. Leave it to God. Just scream yes. out the prayers and yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. the premise of the movie. Yeah, was, god, was, god works in mysterious which, ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the thing too. I was thinking about Pulp Fiction for a second. of like, this is divine intervention. God came down from heaven <laughs> to stop these motherfucking bullets. Yes, yes. I was thinking about that uh, for a second. But no, not only that, he was selling. He was. He was basically drug dealing. Uh, thank you, April. Um, uh-huh. And uh, he was like selling them. And then he goes to his cur- his former employer to tell them about this. Mm-hmm. That the fact that he was like selling their products to other people, and he was like, and the bo- weather boss is like, oh my god, I can't believe you are so true and honest about this. You know, let me think about this and let me get back to you. And the other guy's like, the guy stole our products and sold them out. We should sue him and have him arrested. Mm-hmm. The other boss is like, no, I, I, I think this is like, this is pretty good. I, I've never had anybody do this before in my life. So yeah. the guy comes back and tells him, we're not going to press charges against you, but we're not going to let you have your job back. Like right. That part I can understand, but the other part, like... Because of the fact that you've never had anybody come forward and say, hey, I committed a crime, you're like, wow, that's so true and honest. I got to let you free. I can't let you go to prison for that. I'm like, wow. And, and any other sit in a reality, if in reality, he would have been arrested and probably gotten years in prison for drug dealing. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, there might have been there might even been there might have even been something for the death penalty in there, too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just because that they're fucked up like that. Um, but no, and then at the very, and then there's like twenty, there's like ten more minutes in there, and then the last ten minutes is, uh, um, it's just, it's just like a talent show that his daughter's doing, and then he does like a couple of backflips and everything, and that's what the movie's all about. Yeah. And then it, when it gets close to the very end of the movie, they do like this whole message about how we should like make we should make we should make christianity great again and we should be taking over the government and we should be we should be uh we should making this a religious country and we're like oh my god first of all there would be so many other religious groups that would be fighting against you to do that there's a reason why separation of church exists for a reason Uh um there's a reason why because there's so many other religions out there that not one of them can be more important in the other just because there's more members in your group does not give you the right to say that we should be taking over because of that i mean that's what that's why a lot of people come over here because other countries from different parts of the world will come here and say no we don't want to be a part of this it's too they're they're pushing their agenda too much we want to come over here where everything's free so, right basically brad was saying something along those same lines too so oh my god God, those were those videos were a trip. I enjoyed those. In fact, I had to rewatch them a few times because they were so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite, my favorite reaction from Brad, like when, when I was watching the God's Not Dead, the first one, he's like, <laughs> just like, just screaming in agony. 
Ah. Uh, yeah, it's painful for him to watch. Painful. And the mm -hmm. fact that he and the fact that this is his niche and he's gonna keep doing more because there's more religious movies coming out this year. So he's gonna have a lot yeah. more to talk about. Yeah. Oh. And there's a lot more porn parodies that he's gonna talk about. And there's gonna be more well, there the slasher thing is kind of dead now. So there's not gonna be that much for that. If Neil Breen yeah. makes another movie, then Neil Breen is gonna be brought up again. Yeah, uh, yeah of course. Most of the reviews that he made that made it to the uh, the best of cinema playlist were slasher movies and slasher movies that are quite old sometimes yes. way back mm -hmm. uh, the 70s like the Halloween and the Sleepaway Camp series yeah oh, I love that series I wish I was I wish uh, I wish I can get more people into that but no, if only I, the copyright system is not that strict, there would have been more in that list. And there would have been more on the even the thriller list, since not all horrors um, featured um, slasher movies anyway. Yes. Yes, and, and that's unfortunate for people that love the slasher genre. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but we also got to remember, last year he had the, his own movie, the Cinema Snob movie. Which is actually up on his YouTube channel. It's like 51 minutes long. Um, it got reviewed. It's got like mixed to positive reviews. So at least that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I... it... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I haven't actually seen that one yet. But from everything that I've heard, uh, um, it's like the best of any of the Channel Awesome movies. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't vouch for that, like I said, on my own, but that's just what I've heard. Okay. I, I don't know anything about that either. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, one of the things that I remember watching from uh, the love that he did last year was Baby Huey's Great Easter Adventure, where it's just a duck in a diaper. Uh, what? Oh, I thought yes. it's Howard the Duck. Yes. No, it's not Howard the Duck. It's not Howard the Duck. Baby Huey. It was a popular cartoon from way back in the day. Way, way back mm -hmm. in the day. So huh. they decided to make it a, a, a straight-to-video uh, movie. And it's basically a man dressed up in a duck outfit that's wearing a diaper and, like, he was dressed like a baby. And it's, like, a musical. And uh -huh. it's creepy because it's, like, a grown man in a duck costume hanging out with kids. Um, yeah. It's like a very, it's, it's got some of the people from Animal House were a part of making this movie, which surprised me. I'm like, how do you go from National Lampoon's Animal House to this? Yeah. Um, I think the voice of Squidward from SpongeBob is the voice of the duck. Really? Yes. What? Roger B Bumpass, I think he's a part of this as the, like the voice of him. Uh, it was, it was like, okay, what am I watching here? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I would not recommend it to people. Hmm. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else before we get into the controversy that uh, we have not talked about yet? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if you have seen his review of uh, Mommy Dearest. No, not yet. Okay. Mommy Dearest. Yeah, because this is one of the lost uh, reviews. I found it on one channel. One channel with a very long YouTube username. The username is Rats Heinous. Heinous was devoured by Happy Scrappy, and um, it was. I got it last. I got it just uh, 
last month and then it was uploaded on YouTube last September 2012 and it's one of the movie reviews that were preserved by the other fans and then made available on YouTube and then got taken down again so we're not sure if which channel will upload that again and it's one of the movies that the snob genuinely enjoyed despite the negative feedback and the Razzie awards that it earned he enjoyed this movie for being an effective horror comedy uh, comedy and horror except that most some there are some scenes that are not in the same in other words, there's one scene you he feels purely horror, and then the other scenes he just feels, um, he just feels uh, uh, horror, or he feels uh, funny because mm-hmm. we're talking about Mommy Dearest is actually the film version of uh, a book that was published uh, before uh, or before uh, the film was made. And it was written by Christina Crawford, the adopted daughter of uh, Joan Crawford. And if ever it was presented campy, it's one that the cinema snob understand. In other words, it's like he's halfway defending the movie for its campy presentation because this is Joan Crawford that is being featured. And uh, also, it's one that he made as a review um, in anticipation of Mother's Day. Although it's he mentioned he said here in the transcript that mother's day isn't until the 11th of may i suppose but then he wanted to do the episode early so he get it's an it's nice it's like an excuse to do it so he presented he first before reviewing the movie he gave the audience a little um it's like a little introduction about joan crawford she's known for being one of the Hollywood icons there. She's Hollywood royalty. The irony of that is Joan Crawford said it herself. And uh, the cinema snob even provided some quotes about uh, Joan Crawford that she said herself that really revealed being uh, an out-of-this-world character. Wherein There is one quote where she said here that... Send... Okay, here. Here's one quote that he mentioned. Send me fl- send me flowers while I'm alive. They won't do me a damn bit of good when I'm dead. Sorry, that's my best Joan Crawford impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another quote here. Yeah, he she uh, the the actress who played Joan Crawford is Faye Dunaway. And uh, the other quote that he meant, I need sex for a clear complexion. But I'd rather do it for love. Oh, yeah, she had a, a throaty kind of voice. Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. what happened here? Like, and then, yeah, it's... So, Mommy Dearest is Christina's memoir of her life as the adopted daughter of, um, of John Crawford and the kind of child abuse that she suffered under her. And, of course, in reviewing this, he mentioned... Cinema Snob mentioned that one thing that made, well, actually two things, two things that made the performance of Faye Dunaway really great was one, the eyebrows. Like if you if you try to Google a picture of Joan Crawford, the first thing you'd notice would be her eyebrows, and then the second would be the crazy eyes. And then those were the things that were really highlighted here. And yeah. 
so they portrayed her as this Hollywood actress who is pretty preoccupied too much with her image and whenever she's upset uh, she either lashes it out on her employees or she lashes it out on her poor daughter so she basically she basically maltreated the daughter and cinema snob presented enumerated the aspects where she felt bad for christina christina is the daughter and she there he also enumerated the parts where apparently he it's i'm, I'm not sure if he has a crush on joan crawford as the actress or he just loved the performance of faye dunaway in this movie since it's so it's so consistent and then there are really instances where, for example, there's this scene where Joan Crawford is about to go to a scene and then she faces the camera. And then after Joan Crawford is shown uh, with her hair and makeup done and eyebrows, then Cinema Snob is shown uh, with her with his fingernails close to his mouth. And I, like, this would be awesome. Like, yeah, oh, no. those were... Yeah, like oh, it's like he gets aroused at the, he gets aroused <laughs> at the sight of John Crawford being angry. It's like he gets agitated. Like yeah, and then everything, almost everything here. And then of course, um, they have at least he tried to present the good parts and the bad parts here. But whenever he admitted in his review whenever good things happen in this movie i start to feel afraid for christina it's like and then this is one of the movies where cinema snob's strength in movie reviewing is shown for example character motivation and then plot uh, consistency for example there's this this scene where um Joan was so angry at her daughter for trying to impersonate her. Apparently, she gets offended, even if it's her adopted daughter, trying to impersonate her. So what she did was she got this, a pair of scissors, pulled Christina's hair, and started cutting it. And then then the daughter was uh, crying, Mommy, stop! I'm sorry! Mommy, stop! I'm sorry! Like, And then she wouldn't stop. And then... Cinema snob was staring at this. Then showed the scene. Oh my God! Even the continuity guy is confused. Like, and then I then stared at the video as well. Where in there was some scene. Okay, she cut the hair, and then there's another scene. And then it's like the part where she's supposed to cut is already long again. And then there's another part that's cut off. It's like so the. It shows that they did not shoot that scene in one take. It took several takes, and then next thing you realize, you're even you are confused. What happened to Christina's hair? How come it's long in this part when it's supposed to be cut, and then it's short when it's not supposed to be cut? So, yeah, it's like every the poor kid became her outlet for all of her anger. So it made cinema snob confused am i supposed to feel bad for joan or am i supposed to feel bad for christina and then of course the main scene that turned this movie into an iconic uh, scene and maybe that's the reason why it keeps getting taken down on youtube is the scene about the wire hangers uh yeah let me oh, just see yeah, yeah yeah the wire hangers like oh. the wire hangers i have to check the I think I lost the notes. No wire hanger scene. Because here's what happened before that. 
she got fired from Metro Goldwyn Mayer. And then she refuses to leave. She's like, I live with royalty. Uh, that's basically what she said Louis B. May. By the time she went home, she was cutting the plants. Like, I am Hollywood royalty. Like, she was like, Christina, bring me the axe. Like, oh, like, oh, God, she's about to go. She is about to go. And then in another scene, and then later on, Christine was already sleeping in her in her bedroom and then Joan Crawford entered in bad makeup and uh, bad make yeah bad makeup and uh, hair her makeup is obviously trying to run out of her face because she's getting sweaty by then and then she opened the closet and then she saw the hangers like and then she snapped it, it it's as if it was Christina's fault that the wire hangs were there. So she said, No wire hangers! What's a wire hanger doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? Was, Jesus Christ. Was how many wire hangers to find in the closet? Then she starts throwing out Tina's clothes from the closet and then cinema snob. Joan is still talking, but some parts thin must novel so young shifting in his chairs like covering his mouth and then like she doesn't know I mean he doesn't know what to do with the scene and then she he tried to force a laugh like ha 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 you're yeah. supposed to be funny ha 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 like it's like saying this is not supposed to be funny why are you pitching this movie as a horror comedy it's like that's the and then it was, and then just when Cinema Snob thought the scene was over, Kristen, Christina gets dragged out into the bathroom. We're in because Joan, whenever she's upset, her idea, her idea of diverting her anger was cleaning the floor, cleaning the bathroom, cleaning whatever. And then she was cleaning the bathroom floor, and then Christina said, "It's already clean," and then Joan said, "No, it's not clean." Then she started throwing the, the powder detergent, and she doesn't care. It spills on the floor, spills on her, on Christina's face, and then Christina, all Christina could say was, "Jesus Christ!" And then Brad had to stop. Well, not Brad. Cinema Snob had to stop in order to compose himself because it was. It's not a slasher movie, but it's one film that really scared him off because, well, it's uh, it's a chilling way to present uh, child abuse and yeah, yeah, yeah. So the- you then realize at the end of the movie why she had to do this because it's like it's like Christina saying this is the childhood I endured. Oh wait, before that because. She confronted her mother, she said, and Cinema Snob can't help but notice the bad acting here. Why did you adopt me? Like, so instead of answering her, Joan just attacked her and then she gets pushed down the coffee table made up of glass. So yeah, it's another bloody scene. So yeah, so you then realize at the end why she wrote this book and then because at the end, Spoiler alert, in case you have not seen this movie yet, Joan disinherited um, 
both Christina and Christopher not sure about the twins because the twin she adopted again twins but they were not exactly mentioned in the movie mm. if they were shown there just a small snippet and then Christopher told Christina wow mom really has the lad word did she then Christina replied did she did she like then that's it then they did not show the part anymore where Christina wrote the book and then published it and became a bestseller and it inspired this movie and what this movie got instead of nominations at the Academy Awards was Razzie Awards. Of course! It's a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Fade and according to Cinema Snob, it's it's what made Fade and Away refuse to talk about the movie. It's like so that, there goes another theory out there that maybe the main reason why this review keeps getting taken down is because the people behind it were trying to make people forget about the movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, people will not forget about the movie. Every time you see a wire hanger and then you see John Crawford, like, uh, this is so Pavlovian. Like, oh, God, why? Like, So those were some of the things. There were some movies... This is one of the movies that he really liked for believing, well, he believed that Faye Dunaway should have been nominated for an Academy Award, not a Razzie. Then again, mm-hmm. if that's what happened, then yeah, there may be some people behind it were trying to make the people forget about this. I, I don't think she's been that active in filmmaking ever since. Last m- movie where I saw her was in Joan of Arc, the one with Mila Jovovich. So. It's uh, it's one of those things. Here's when you realize that Cinema Snob reviews slasher movies. He's not that scared, but he enjoys the blood. And then you have Mommy Dearest, where he enjoyed acting, but at the same time, it made him legit uh, scared. It made him say, the shit in my pants, just shit their pants. That's one of the um, <laughs> good takeaways in, in that review there. But yeah, because that's how effective the movie is so yeah mm-hmm. so oh by the way somebody in the comments uh, said that he reviewed caligula as well yeah he reviewed caligula one yeah. i i found caligula one not on the cinema snob channel not on the stone gremlin productions but in another channel i found caligula three on the main channel on the stone gremlin productions channel so it seems like the caligula one part also keeps getting taken down i can't find the caligula 2 movie the messalina messalina although he reviewed that as well but Mm -hmm. the consistent thing about the reviews apparently when i checked uh, some notes was um it was an exploitation film maybe it was not so obvious in caligula 1 because he he mentioned he he somewhat mentioned that you have Malcolm McDowell, you have Helen Mirren in Caligula one, and then you have this crap of a movie. So it's like, and then the other is, it's like the other actors have disowned this movie as well because they were made to believe that they were doing a good movie, and then the moment they saw the movie itself, it's like, what happened? This is not what I signed up for. Although he, it he understood some of the of the quotes there like for example there's this one scene wherein someone was telling Caligula what you're marrying her she's the she's the most promiscuous woman in Rome and then of course 
Cinema Snob translated that as, oh, she's the cheapest hooker in Vegas. Like, like, oh my god, like, there are really some references here that are not so obvious, but yeah, Brad or Cinema Snob would comment for the sake of having uh, something to comment on, either to crack jokes or something. Mm -hmm. And then, at least I found commonality with Caligula 1, Caligula 2, because Caligula 1 had skits, wherein there are some members of Channel Awesome that would interrupt the review and then introduce themselves as Caligula. The first one is Spoonie. I am Caligula! Oh. He was like, yeah, Spoonie, he tried... Yeah. And then the, the green screen behind him got ruined, like... And then Snob said, hey, the green screen on your back got... was got even broken, like... And then... And then Spoonie was like, ah, I tried. Then he ended that skit uh, that, and then the next uh, the next time that he got interrupted by another Caligula skit, it was Angry mm-hmm. Joe, who played uh, Caligula. Like, I am Caligula. I invented this and this. And then Snob interrupted him. Spoonie beat you to it. <laughs> and Angry Joe so angry. <laughs> well, that, he's Angry Joe, of course. He'd get angry. And then yeah. the last person that would interrupt him and would have the laziest uh, Caligula parody ever, sad to say, was Lord Cap. Ah, yes. Hi, and Caligula. And then he's eating a cookie. Of course. Of course Lord Cat would. It's like he he had an idea that Spoonie and Angry Joe already beat him to it. Like, okay, fuck it, I'll just do this. And then... And then... Mm -hmm. Before... And then, although the first ever interruption in the review... Not really an interruption, more like a preview was that was provided by Nostalgia Critic, wherein he just mentioned about some known quote-unquote facts about Caligula. When, not really facts. You can't call them facts when it's not that verifiable. More like myths or misconceptions, if ever. Although, it, it it's also almost like People will only make a film about Caligula if you need, they need to make an excuse about presenting gore and nudity and sex mm-hmm. in, a, in the film. And it's also, this is one of the reviews wherein instead of pixelating the nude parts, he would simply use black squares to cover the parts <laughs> like, yes, yes, like, yes. and the freak shows like, he liked the the one slave that had four hands and it's not cinema snobs like oh great someone would scratch my balls by scratching my ass like and then <laughs> there was another one and then there was there was another freak uh, that had um, the vagina on the stomach like and then there was oh, peter oh perfect O'Toole. for tommy was so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and You're then not there wrong. was then there was peter <laughs> then there was Peter O'Toole. He played em- Emperor Tiberius. Yeah, because before Caligula was emperor, there was Tiberius. And then mm-hmm. Peter O'Toole um, was like drunk in the movie. It's not so sure. But yeah, he had a lot of... Um, it's like it had a lot of uh, things uh, going on. But And they also mentioned the, the machine wherein... Yeah, Caligula invented this machine wherein he had to bury his enemies on the soil. And then this big vehicle that chops off heads that would be running over them then yeah it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, gory yeah. then again it's the it's 
I then it's all it's almost the same premise in Caligula three because as long as they make money off of these uh, Caligula exploitation films, then there would be another Caligula film. But so far, none. Uh, I've seen none at the moment. So yeah. So those were the things that I had. Um, and then the other one, before I forget, I also. Oh, I also mentioned here that. He made a review. The other one that was included in the sin, in the best of cinema snob was uh, the lonely lady. Some of the clips from the lonely lady was are used. Some clip audio clips were used for uh, mommy dearest simply because of the line that the main character in lonely lady said that. Just to rephrase, I had to fuck my way to get to the top. Like. Yes, yes. Which is like a thing. Like, yeah, because there was this scene in Mommy Dearest where Christina received an acting award. Uh, by the way, I, um, I forgot to mention about the Mommy Dearest. Another scene that where Snob sounded like he's defending the way movie presented Joan Crawford was Christina at that time was already trying to be an actress or herself and then she got sick of course she can't make it work so joan crawford presented herself as a substitute for the same characters like playing the same character but a different actress mm -hmm. so the snob found it odd because at that time christina was in her late 20s joan was already in her early 60s and that would be awkward yeah i would yeah yeah so, but then again she's joan crawford and if you dare cross her in, in the film and try to remove her, she'd insist that scene with Louis B. Mayer might happen again. It's like, I leave with oh. royalty. Yeah, she might do that again. So, uh, yeah, they just no avoid thanks. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, back to the review for The Lonely Lady. The Lonely Lady, if there's one Razzie winner that deserved it, in Cinema Snob's opinion, it was Pia Zadora. Pizadora was the lead actress in The Lonely Lady, and um, it's not clear what does the title have to do with the movie because this is about the story of a writer, a scriptwriter who wanted to be to make a name in Hollywood, and then she wanted to make a name in Hollywood, but she had to sleep her way to get there. She married this man who's older than her mother, and then she got. Um, she got into a relationship with this um, this man that uh, introduced himself as a Hollywood producer, and then he, she had a relationship with this woman. It's like so, regardless of sex, regardless of gender, she would be sleeping with this person just so she would get the get a break. And then this movie is more like an attempt to present Pia Zadora as an actress than an attempt at presenting a story because. It may not be clear what the title has to do with the story. And the snob almost felt bad for the character, if not for the bad acting. The acting was so bad, he almost forgot about how inconsiderate the people around her were. Well, almost. The thing here, okay. For example, there was a rape scene here, and then the mother refused to file charges what? against the rapist because... 
well, this is Beverly Hills, and he's one of the Beverly Hills debonairs. Like, what kind of mother are you? He, you can almost mm-hmm. sense snob saying that, and then her, and then yeah, and then she married this man who's older than her mother, and then the mother was against this. Like, where's the character consistency in there? And then when the then when the lonely lady, the titular character here, left the husband, she was like. Hey, why did you leave your husband? So and so and so and so. Like what? What? And then, next thing you realize, like, there are really scenes where they tried to present her as an actress. Like that rape scene, she was overacting. She was crying. She was screaming, and all the other guy did was hold the hose, it, because that's <laughs> apparently the one that he used to rape her. And then there's another scene where Pizadora apparently snapped because. Because of all the weeks that her other lover has been forcing her with meth, that she snapped, she faced the typewriter. It's 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 an old movie, so yeah, it's a typewriter yeah. that she faced, and then she uh, she she was typing stuff on it, and then she ended up writing a script. Then she went catatonic, and then she won. By the time she got back into work, she won an award, and she refused the award because. As the quote now is said, so I had to sleep my way to the top in order to get this. And then she left the, the trophy <laughs> stage and left the stage and went out the building. That's how it ends. <laughs> <up>. Yes, yes, <laughs> It's the best yeah. way to go out. It's the best way to go out. Just like, yeah, if only Marlon Brando and the other Academy Award winners can do that too. Anyway, and it's, uh, it, I think it got uploaded on the main channel around the time of Me Too, although this is the worst movie to present at the Me Too. You're damn uh, Me right Too it because, is. Yeah, because if you're trying to make a character look sympathetic, at least make her someone that the people feel bad for. You can't feel mm-hmm. bad for her if the acting is bad, you know? So, yeah, it's one of those movies that got preserved. Maybe because the people behind don't mind other people reviewing that because it's really bad and then yeah the other notes that i have here were his i was given the opportunity there's there's this channel here on youtube uh double toasted they have a podcast and apparently the interview that they had with uh brad jones was already removed somebody managed really Hmm. Uh uh-oh we lost her oh no Her internet must have gone out again. Oh. All right. Well, we'll have to. We'll have to just. Uh, we'll just have to keep going until she gets back. Sounds good. All right. Um, what did you have? For just yeah, just in general. So, uh, I I actually, if it's okay to go outside of the cinema snob uh, videos themselves. Yeah. Sure. And and talk more about some of his his other uh stuff the, i think the the thing that might have impacted me the most um is is this video i don't know i don't know if you saw it when you were doing your research um but it has some really like matter of fact uh title like that one time i tried to kill myself or something uh no, I did not stumble across this. Okay, so this was this was a couple years ago. 
Um, and he he posted it. It's like completely out of character. It's just it's like him, like in his uh, uh, you know, just his Brad Jones persona, not not as the cinema snob. And uh, it's this like twenty or thirty minute video that it's. I mean, it's a vlog. It's pretty much just done in one take, but it's just him hanging out with his cats and talking about this story about how horribly, horribly uh, depressed he got one time to the point that he actually tried to commit suicide. And he did the video as sort of like a, I don't know, like a coming clean and being like, hey, listen, like my life, I thought it was really shitty at one point and I tried to do this and uh it turned out that that was a pretty bad idea and i'm glad that it didn't work and if you're feeling that way too then you need to do something about that because you probably definitely have people that love you and you shouldn't you shouldn't do that it's it's obviously it's much more impacting and eloquent than what i'm saying right now but it uh i don't know it it was just it was really I, I just keep using the same word over and over again. It was really impacting to hear somebody who otherwise, uh, I don't know, he presents himself as very professional and like together, you know, to just kind of be like, hey, this is a this is a thing that happened in my life and it's OK to, you know, discuss this. Um, <clears throat> but also some some of the other things that he talks about in that video, like how he says basically he has uh, pretty much always suffered with some sort of mental illness, mainly depression. And he talks about how his work on his, his channel and on his videos is his escape from that. That's uh, that, that really struck me because he was like, Hey, you know, if you ever see me uploading like more than one video a week, like if I'm uploading a lot, it's probably because I'm depressed and it makes me feel better to work on stuff. And I probably saw this, um, I don't know, maybe a year before I started, or well, Kylie and I started uh, the channel um, before we started trying to do stuff on YouTube. And I think, I don't want to say seeing that and hearing that was like the impetus of like, oh, I should start doing something, you know, like starting a YouTube channel. But that's just always definitely come back to me that uh, the basically the grind that that Brad Jones has and that I think is really encapsulated very well in that vlog where it's just like, hey, uh, there's a reason that I've been online for how many ever years it is now, like more than a decade. And there's a reason that I've been able to produce as many videos as I have and that in turn has made me happier and feel better as a person. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a lot to respect in that. Like, and I think that that really encapsulates a lot about Brad Jones's character in general. Like he's never, he's never really done anything. uh, I think that has made me think, Oh, this, this guy, this guy's a little shady. Like this guy's just in it for the money or this guy's, kind of an asshole he's just always he's always struck me as somebody who's really really genuine and i mean like like jing was talking about with the mommy dearest uh review where 
he's he's not afraid um, in his videos to very strongly disagree with the popular sentiment, you know, and mm -hmm. to either be like, hey, this thing that's really popular. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Or to I, I mean, obviously, he's doing it in character. So it's more emphatic than it probably would be in his own like character. But he's like either, you know, this popular thing is kind of terrible or this thing that people don't like. It's actually surprisingly not that bad. So I just I, I really respect that, that like genuineness, you know? Yeah. And there's like I, I will come up right up front of here. Uh, oh, well, first of all, I have to ask about the whole uh, the suicide thing. Yeah. Of uh, was this was this before or after Jew Wario? Uh, I believe. He posted the let me see if I can find the date for you. Okay. But while I'm doing that, um, I believe that he posted the video like several years after that. Okay. Happened, All right. but he was talking about a time before that happened. Like when you, right. I, I, I want to say he was talking about like when he was in his 20s and he was in his 30s at the point that he was making this video. Okay. Because I know when I talked when I talked about Lord Cat, I remember him saying, when it came to Channel Awesome, a lot of the people that were in that group, including Snob and including Jew Wario, that a lot of times they would, you know, try to you know speak to them about, hey, you know, something's going on, and you know, I really just need to talk to somebody, and they would just like smile and like laugh, but yeah. they would they, they would they would just not like acknowledge the situation. Um, and to the point where he's like, well, it's like if you didn't, if you didn't, if if you weren't so worrying about your own self and then just trying to ignore what your friend's going through, then maybe he wanted to pull the trigger. Um, mm -hmm. That's been up. That's been up for debate amongst uh, some of the crew here about like, okay, is that? I don't think that was really the issue. Um, but you know, we're not. We haven't been there, and Lord Cat has. But you know, come go for for Brad. I mean, he has Doug and Rob as his best friends. I mean, uh, and this mm -hmm. sort of and this sort of kind of ties into the whole uh, controversy with the whole uh, document that came out. Mm -hmm. um, when it came to when it came up to Brad's name, Brad's name never came up in anything, uh, as far as I know, as far as I remember reading from the document, Brad's name was not even like mentioned in anything. Uh, it could no. have been like a little things here and there, but um, Brad was always considered to be one of the cool guys like a very like very um very cool guy to be with a lot of the pe a lot of the people like wanted to do reviews with him a lot of people wanted to be a part of his shtick i mean he was working his way up as being one of the top guys on the channel or just yeah. a part of the whole group in general um the guy, yeah and he hasn't had and he hasn't had anything that's gotten over a million views yet um so maybe god's not dead three will do that i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe uh but when this whole controversy happened, uh, it took a, it took them a few months after. I think it took yeah, it took a few months after the document came out for a, a, a group of people to go and interview him. And one of the things he's like, yeah, I wanted to wait until it died down, and eventually when it did die down, and not as many people complained about it, mm -hmm. um, I knew people weren't gonna like care whatsoever. Uh, not realizing, of course, that you that 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 kind of like hurts people's reputations, um, which I don't think I don't think like they have to worry about that. They can always rebuild that up. It's not like it's not like they have to live with that for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, for themselves. I mean, fans will look at it for the rest of their lives like, oh, this happened in near part of the history. But, you know, time heals wounds. 
Um, but Brad just shrugged it off from the interview that I saw when he was asked about it. He shrugged it off a little bit. Um, I know there were some things that happened to him personally when that document came out, even though he didn't really deserve it anything, but I'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that story in the document where they were talking about how they were trying, they were doing one of the channel awesome movies and they were stuck trying to get some food. There was no catering for the movie. You know, on a production yeah, set, yeah. you gotta you gotta get like you gotta give these actors food. You gotta give these crew food. They're working on an actual production of a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to at least provide food, and of course, they didn't do that. And I think he posted a tweet or something saying along the lines of, "Oh my God, it's finally over!" Like people stopped complaining about the fact that they couldn't get KFC while shooting a film. Ooh, Brad said that. Yeah, Brad said that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you know, I you know, because he was on, he's on, he's on Doug and Rob's side in this whole thing. I mean, he's like still one yeah. of the only members left of Channel Awesome. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna stick by them 100. percent They're my best brother. They're my best buddies. You know, I'm always gonna be mm-hmm. there to support them. I'm always gonna be there for them. And you know, they helped me get to this point in my career. Like, why would I ever? Why would I'm not like all these other people that decided that they wanted to go off and you know leave because they felt like they got mistreated. I mean, this guy saved gave me a career this guy gave me a life to enjoy i mean that's there was the the whole thing about this whole depression thing Mm -hmm. uh he was Mm -hmm. i mean this this helped him i mean obviously it it, it's great when it when it comes to when it comes to being an artist a lot of people will use their emotions and turn it into art and it becomes great uh an example of that is pink floyd pink floyd was very angry at people that were (laughs) criticizing they were very angry at people criticizing oh, yeah. them they made a whole song about like they what they did a whole song about a dj uh, about a dj and they were like one of these days i am going to slice you into little pieces and it became one of their most popular songs um that that's what that song's about really yes i didn't know that it's just an instrumental it's just an right, instru- right 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 it's just an instrumental with that little uh with that little snippet in the in near like in the middle of the, uh, the thing like there's this mm-hmm. dj that they just despised so much and they turned that into a song and that was it mm-hmm. that was became one of their best songs yeah. uh you know it, it's amazing what emotions can do when it comes to making art whether you're happy whether you're sad whether you're angry whether you're depressed i mean he obviously turned mm-hmm. that into a positive for himself right 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 uh, but the one thing that I will say is that he, uh, besides all that, um, I think it, it, there was a point when people were going after his family. They were going after his wife. They were going after his grandmother. His grandmother, I believe, had to change addresses or something like that. I believe they when, went after his. When was this? Uh, though around the time the document came out. I did. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I think I, I think it was either she had to change her address or she had to change her phone number because they were calling her. They were calling like the houses. They were calling their parents, like telling them to go fuck. Like, how dare you have a son like this? Your son's a piece of shit. Your grandson's a piece of shit. Like, how can you be married to this asshole? Yeah, like, they just went after his entire family. That's absurd. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's that's generally what I've. Uh, gathered from you know the interview that i saw where you know he doesn't want to talk about it mostly because like the walkers are not talking about it and i think he's just trying to be supportive to them but at the same time he doesn't want to go through with this right now he's like Mm -hmm. trying he's trying to put that behind him um yeah of course but to me and this is something that i'm huge on 
Um, and I haven't really said this that much on here. I'm a huge fan of transparency. I'm a huge fan mm -hmm. of speaking out. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of being authentic and true to yourself. I've always yeah. felt I've always felt that if you hold things in for too long, it overwhelms you. Like there's got to be, a, and I think it's better if you get it out now than later because yeah, it it can. I mean, whether it's off, even whether if it's a true thing, I mean, just speak whatever you think happened, whether it's you personally or what other people are going through. I mean, you got to be honest with yourself a lot of times uh, when yeah. this, this, this also, I mean, that's one of the things that I started doing with my solo show now, which I do separate from this channel is I, you know, I just speak what's happening during the day. I don't let things, and I've become a lot better because of it. I've, I feel better about myself. I feel great. Um, it's got me to a point where I can now exercise with, you know, not feeling down about it because I'm talking to people and I'm actually mm -hmm. speaking out about something that's been going on in life. I mean, mm -hmm. put away the character for a second. You're Brad Jones. You are a part of a group that's like this. Even if you say, I will stand behind Doug and Rob 100% and I will tell you everything that's happened, but regardless of that, he could be honest with it. I mean, he can just say his his emotions about it and how he feels about fans reacting to it and talking about like the, all the shit that he's going through, but he's keeping it to himself. And if he keeps it for too long, you might be seeing a different cinema stop and maybe not one that people are going to be wanting to see because you mm -hmm. can't hold it in for too long. It, it, it that Those emotions are going to get to you. I've been with that for yeah. many years in my life. I do not want to be in that situation again. And I know people I know people have some skeletons in their closet that they don't want to talk about, but eventually you're going to have to because mm -hmm. it's it's going to be one day it's going to get to you. Either somebody's going to bring yeah, it out because... in the open and you're not going to be a, a ready for it or it's going to live with you until the day you die. And then you're probably going to be living with regrets saying I didn't get to say this and now I'm doing it. Um I got disconnected a while ago. I was about to say some of the things that he mentioned at um, a channel. Awesome. I hope my audio is good. I yeah, just used cool. my mobile back up here. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you sound good. Yeah, because, because uh, as I was saying a while ago, he was given the opportunity and he still chose not to speak about it because to rephrase what he said, I have not spoken about the incident yet, and you already judged me. You already sent me um, hate mail. You sent, yeah. sent or hate DMs or hate, and then uh, and then of course, Soft Lavender mentioned in her video that too bad she did not get screenshots of those tweets. Some of those in the not so awesome document felt betrayed that they ended up um, unfollowing. Um, Brad Jones because they felt like when he was given a choice to stand up for what it's right or what they believe is right, he chose to side with uh, the Walker brothers. Mm -hmm. He even yes. mentioned in that interview with uh, Double Toasted that there was this event um, in midweek or some event where in the panel consisted of Brad Jones and Doug Walker, and they were like nervous because um, 
obviously the first question should be about the not so awesome document. Yeah. Right. Oh. And of course there would be some questions that will be screened inevitably and they prepared themselves for it. Um, Brad Jones even kind of joked about it, but we need armor <laughs> to wear on the... And then oh, wow. again, some leaked audio. There was some leaked audio that Soft Lavender included in the video about um, someone who obviously did not want to be identified because um, the Twitter handle was covered, but the audio was played wherein... Doug Walker himself, Brad Jones, really will not comment about that document at all. Uh, so he said that I would like to talk about how great the, the people that I worked with, but no, I cannot. And then some of the tweets that Brad Jones made were uh, saved, unfortunately, were in, oh, finally, somebody got to talk about how some people failed to eat Applebee's. Oh, that's what anything. it was. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, and then he really will not talk about it because, yeah, because there are really some movies where in cinema snob accidentally breaks character. Yeah, like the one that you mentioned a while ago with Mommy Dearest. Maybe he was mm-hmm. trying to retain character and then he saw those scenes about child abuse and then he had to stop uh, stop briefly the clip mm-hmm. while reviewing because yeah he got affected by it so although yeah it's like that's why he became the cinema snob he would usually snob what the mainstream um, feedbacker would be about and then this is what I believe this movie is about and yeah it's like telling people you know what? I believe that this movie is good, but he did not give it a chance, and then instead he gave it Razzies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He ended up saying in the past Razzies, saying being credible since never. Like not, mm-hmm. that may not that's the thing that he said, but yeah, he had issues uh, with the Razzies mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Everybody's got a problem with any award show that's out there. Because it's like, because it's their own little exclusive. It's like, it's like a club. Like they're gonna vote for who they want to vote for, and the people that are watching from the outside are like, "Where's my vote? I would have, I would have gladly have voted for something." Like, why did, why can't you yeah. see the way things that I see it? Because, because we all see things differently. That's why. Right. Um, I do want to address something that Male Tears is saying. Like, I used to be on drugs too. So what? Does it have to be this big thing to address? Um, let me say this. You you are on drugs, and well, first of all, you don't. It's like you don't you don't tell us like it, it's it's great to know like what got you into it and what got you out of it. Like something like that. There's always an underlying reason for why people do certain things that they're not aware of. Like subconsciously, they have no idea. Um, you know, when you find those certain things out, um, it's great to you know talk about them. Uh, I've always said my, one of my new philosophies now is to always keep talking and to not stay silent about things because that ultimately leads to that type of behavior. Like, Oh, so what? Like, this is like, why does this have to be like such a big deal? It's like, there's always like a, a defense mechanism that comes up about something when, when something is said along those lines. And I've 
put I put my defensive shield down a bit, and uh, you know I still struggle with that a lot. There's some things that I haven't talked about that I would like to, but I'm just like not ready to at least not yet um i still got to be comfortable with it but every day when i do my solo show it's like it gets better and better for me and i feel better about it the fact that i can actually talk about shit uh regardless of that and i've never been on drugs in my life so i can't speak on that front but you know everyone has a reason to do something and mm -hmm. whether and at least when brad talked about his depression and his suicide thing he spoke out about it he talked about it he said the reasons that made him happier and i'm sure that sort of that helped him when as he was going through his with his career and his reviews got better i mean when he had hair i mean let's face it when he had hair they weren't necessarily the most popular videos in the world but then when he went bald boy did that change he <laughs> definitely had a definitely he had a he had a, a character change and he had a and his and his content got better and it's all of that probably had to yeah. do with the fact that he was able to put those feelings aside or finally talk about them and not let them get to them as much. Cause when you talk about it, it gets, it, it get, get it better. If you have somebody that actually is going to help you like really help you, or you mm -hmm. tell it to the wrong person and it gets worse and then it ends up becoming a bad thing. So it's all about who you tell it to. Um, I'm fortunate yeah. enough where I've had many people that are very positive about it and they love it. And so I, that's that's one of the things I'll say to you, male tears. Um, but you know, that's what I that's what I take from Brad Jones's. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I like him so much because he's a good reviewer. He's a good riffer. He's very very funny. Um, he reviews things that uh, most people would review, um, but he does it in a way that gets people interested in it, regardless mm -hmm. of, compared to everybody else. Um, and he's still going strong. I don't. Th I think like people even even though he gotten these death threats and he's gotten these like attacks against him, they weren't major. They were just like minor ones, even though they affected him a lot. I mean, eventually when he gets out of this rut and he's able to finally talk about it, I think he'll finally put that aside and get even better and better. Um, he's one of the few guys from channel awesome that I think is going to exceed Doug and Rob eventually. I mean, when he gets to his, like his own deal, he'll still be friends with them, but it'll take him to a point where he'll just get bigger and better. Um, yeah. it, it depends yeah. on how much content is out there, but you know, he's got a shtick. Religious movies are a shtick. They're the ones that get him the most attention and there's never going to, those religious movies are never going to end ever. There's going to be, there's like two, three or four of them that are coming out this year. So he's going to have a lot to, to cover. Um, yeah. there's always yeah, going to be definitely. weird movies. So that's my take on things. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. We almost went two hours. Can you believe that? Yes. Oh, it flew by. Yeah, it flew by, didn't it? Him. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to end it here because I almost I have to go to sleep in like 20 minutes. Oh um, no. Well, no, because I'm. I, it's not because I have to work or anything. It's because I'm fasting, actually. I see. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I have to get up at like 6:30 in the morning. Because my eating time, I stop eating at 5.30 and then like I don't eat for like 13 hours. So when I get up at 6.30, that's my time to eat breakfast. So oh, I get up, I, I, I get up early, I work out and then I get, I just do things the rest of the day. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's why. Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, uh, Nippon and Jing. First time ever Jing was on the channel. Yes. So, 
Yes, first time, and it's uh, I got disconnected. I, I'd like to apologize about that. No, it, it, yeah. we, we blame we we blame the Wi-Fi. We don't blame you. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but Neopone is going to come back uh, in five in about mm-hmm. four months from now. Uh, yeah. When we t- when we talk about I hate everything, but that's in like four months next week. Oh, we're wow. doing I hate everything. <laughs> yeah, let's see how much he hates uh, compared to Mister Enter. Um, yes. But next episode that we got is Ego Raptor. Oh I've, yeah, yeah, I've, yes. Mm. So that's going to be with one of our new co-hosts, Wit. That was his. He was his uh, choice. By the way, this was actually requested by uh, a fan that actually donated money to us to help us out with the channel. So uh, we, we we dedicated this episode to Noah. Uh, he was the guy that uh, requested this for us for the donation. So he said, okay, what's your legend do you want us to do for season five? He picked the cinema stop. So that's why we did this tonight. Uh-huh, uh, yes. awesome. so, yeah. And so Ego Raptors next with Wit. And I think Atomic's going to come on for that as well because it's part of the – he's one of the Game Grumps guys as well. So uh, Yeah. Our- and, uh, yeah. Before I forget, I have uh, a little plug. I just have uh, to plug uh, – my affiliate code uh, with this uh, virtual assistant course, wherein if you would like to monetize your talents outside of YouTube, like if you know how to um, know to edit videos, you know how to create graphics, and you would like to pitch it to people that can pay you by the R of work done, then I would be posting my affiliate code in the comments uh, for you to take advantage of. So you can finally... Uh, find another way uh, to earn money using your skills. So, yeah, stay true. You're pinging all over the place. Okay. All right. You're pinging all over the place. Yeah, you're pinging all over the place, but we, we got the gist of it. Um, okay, sorry about that, but no. just click my affiliate link. Um, yeah. I just a disclosure I would earn partly from it and yeah um uh, it's a sideline that I have so yeah I have income outside of YouTube anyway thank you for letting me plug no no problem uh cinema which plug your shit before we go um all right so yeah we are on the YouTubes uh just under cinema nippon uh if you're interested in Japanese film or in Japanese culture, uh, because that's basically what the show is about. Uh, it's about learning about Japanese culture via film. Uh, we cover, you know, popular stuff and some more obscure stuff. Try to give recommendations that people may not have heard of before. Um, we've also, oh, uh, and it should be linked on our YouTube, I think, somewhere. But we just recently opened a t-shirt shop on Teespring. So if you are interested in supporting the show at all, you can do it through that. Yeah. Well, I'll see if I have a size that fits me, and I'll wear it. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. Uh, We'll catch you guys next time. Uh, I'm going to be trying to set up a donation page so that everybody can come in and donate for the show since we're not monetized anymore. But uh, maybe I'll set up a Patreon. Who knows? All right, guys. Send uh, in your tips. Yeah, yeah. So I will catch you guys next time for the Ego Raptor episode. Until then, bye, everybody. We'll catch you later. 
bye bye goodbye